Alabama Annie with another episode of Stories and Songs for you. This little tale is entitled Turkey Trot Day. I think you'll enjoy it. Turkey Trot Day. Early that Saturday morning before Thanksgiving, Saul Curley woke to the crisp scent of his wife's hot iron as she pressed and creased his white shirt and Sunday suit on the ironing board in front of the crackling fire. Nearby, a silk top hat rested on a table beside the door with a pair of white gloves. Already, they could hear the sounds of people walking along the street outside as over a thousand people from surrounding areas converged on the little town of Collinsville, Alabama for an unusual one-of-a-kind event that had grown each year since 1912. They came by automobile, wagon, and on foot, from Lookout and Sand Mountains, from Mintone and as far away as Gunnersville, Alabama, to see Saul Curley officiate from atop the general store on Turkey Trot Day. Saul felt a sense of excitement as he buttoned his shirt and sat down to tie the laces of his shoes. His wife gave him the once-over before he pulled on the top coat and gloves. She picked up a string tie laying on the table and placed it just so around his collar. He picked up the top hat and sat it on his head. He bent to give her a kiss and walked out the door into the crisp, cool November morning, moving along the sidewalk on US 11, greeting folk on his way. At the store, a chair arose from the people milling about as he came around the corner, followed by a group of children, and someone shouted, There he is! There's Saul Curley! The storefronts and the street were strung with red and white buntings, and the smell of roasted peanuts and popcorn hung in the air as the sidewalks filled with onlookers. Saul slid into the door of the store, moving through the crowded aisles, passing many friends who greeted him, and went to stand behind the counter with Oliver Hall. Down the way near the post office, the high school band was gathering in a cacophony of trombone, drum, trumpet, saxophone, and tuba, preparing to perform the song they'd been practicing since September, a song that had been written for this occasion by the band director. It was called The Turkey Trot Drop. Nearby, a group of young ladies dressed in formal attire with capes and hats and gloves primped and preened around an outdoor fire built inside a metal can. Down the street, the home and opposing football teams that would be playing later that afternoon on the field stood apart from one another, hands on their hips as if separated by some invisible line. And a Boy Scout troop stood by the tracks along with several clowns, a man on stilts, and someone dressed in a giant turkey costume surrounded by children dressed like little chicks, giggling and jumping about like holiday sprites. The grandstand stood nearby, set up for the guest speakers who would address the crowd, and the pavilion at the park was decorated with hanging paper lanterns and crepe paper, ready for the big dance that would follow the parade and festivities. A band called Big Harvey and the Chicken Pickers would arrive by train all the way from Chattanooga, Tennessee around dusk, and the dance would begin at the pavilion. Outside the store, two men from the Southern Bell Telephone Company proudly climbed the newly placed utility poles and strapped themselves in for the duration of the event. The telephone lines must be protected from the abuse they had received the year before during the festivities because the three telephones in the little town of Collinsville must be in service in case of an emergency. 
The founding fathers and officials arrived and took their seats on the grandstand along with Mrs. Curley and Oliver Hall with his elderly father, Irby, the man responsible for this grand occasion. In the vacant lot to one side of the store, the turkey farmers gathered, passing crate after crate in assembly line fashion to a man at the bottom of a ladder. This man, in turn, passed the crate to the man in the middle of the ladder, and he passed it up to the man waiting at the very top of the building, who then sat the crates filled with fat turkeys and hens down in a row. Two men secured the springboard at the edge of the building overlooking the street below, and as if on cue, the sheriff and his posse rode past on high-spirited horses to clear the way, and the crowd parted like the Red Sea. The parade began with two boys marching ahead of the high school band carrying a banner that read, Turkey Trot Day 1927. As Saul Curley climbed the ladder to the top of the building with his silk hat and cane and brushed himself off, he stood looking out over the scene and waved to the throng below as a cheer rose up that echoed off Lookout Mountain. The marching band came forward in their white uniforms, passing the post office, the bank, and the cricket theater, and then broke into a rousing version of Down Yonder. They moved in formation to their space beside the grandstand as the children came, dancing merrily along the street, tossing candy and little trinkets that Mrs. Curley had ordered from a Mardi Gras catalog. There came the young ladies dressed in formal attire, parading like queens at a coronation, following two more boys carrying a banner that read, Turkey Trot Queen's Court, 1927. By the end of the day, in the evening at the dance, one of those young ladies would be crowned Turkey Trot Queen. The young ladies waved to the crowd and threw handfuls of confetti into the air as the band began to play, You Must Have Been a Beautiful Baby. And then the football teams came strutting by and the band began to play, Touchdown. The clowns came cartwheeling past the grandstand and the man on stilts teetered along beside them, barely clearing the telephone lines as the workmen looked on warily from their perches high atop the poles. Then the giant turkey came dancing past, flapping his wings and gobbling just to beat the band, followed by the children strutting behind him in their little feathered costumes, and the crowd began to cheer louder as the band broke into their new song, The Turkey Trot Drop. The crowd began to dance to the beat as the band passed, halting at the end of the street where they continued to play. Then Saul Curley stepped forward onto the springboard and raised his silk high hat above his head to signal that the turkey trot drop was about to begin, and the street below him went wild as the cage man set a 30-pound gobbler onto the springboard. Saul nudged the bird along with the curl of his cane, and the bird took to the air in ungainly flight, up past the telephone lines and down into the crowd, who reached and grabbed for the frightened bird as a cheer went up when old Reverend Hawes grabbed that gobbler up triumphantly in his grasp. And then another bird came, and another, until 35 gobblers and 50 fat hens had been hoisted into the air, and not a single one had fouled the cherished telephone lines, bringing cheer after cheer from the crowd until the very last bird had been dropped. 
Saul Curley tipped his hat once again to signify that the event was over and came down off the springboard. The band began to play another rousing version of the new song as he brushed off the feathers that clung to his top coat and shook hands with the men on the roof. The crowd rushed away to the park where the football game began, lounging in the warm afternoon sun on quilts, picnicking on homemade pies and fried chicken. The home team won the game, and the losers drifted away into the afternoon just as the train arrived from Chattanooga, depositing Big Harvey and the chicken pickers on the platform at the station, where a group of men loaded the band and their instruments into a waiting wagon and hauled them off to the pavilion. Later, in the glow of the paper lanterns and electric lights, Miss Margie Baxter was crowned 1927 Turkey Trot Queen to the cheer of the crowd and took a spin on the dance floor with Saul Curley himself and then the mayor. By midnight, Big Harvey and the chicken pickers had boarded the 1115 back to Chattanooga and the turkey trot queen and her entourage had parted ways, heading for home and a good night's rest. The telephone men had driven off in their truck and most of the cars and wagon loads of folks had rattled off toward home for an old-fashioned Thanksgiving as old Mr. Davis and his crew swept the streets clean until not a sign remained of the festivities but a few feathers drifting in the breeze that blew along the street.